afternoon and welcome uh, to another presentation as we uh, seek to share some of these things that the Lord has been opening with us. Um, many truths that the Lord has been sharing with us and the Bible says freely receive, freely give. And as we share these truths with you and as you are blessed by these things, for we know that you will be blessed by it for they are truth. And this is what truth does. Truth, when truth comes home to the heart, it's a great blessing to those who receive it. And so as you receive it, we're also asking that you um, like the video and share it. Share it with those whom you might know that have not the truth or who might need to learn a little more uh, of the truth. So as always, before we begin presenting, uh, let us reverently kneel and silently pray and invite God's presence uh, with us. Amen. All right. So in my last two presentations on this very topic, the rejected stone, we started by showing that uh, in crisis, grace uh, is needed. And, and Sister White has a nice quote where she says, it'll be shown if the soul is sustained by grace. And this grace we saw came in many forms, in answered prayers, in, in answered requests, right? And the Lord doing for us that which we requested in the Lord giving unmerited favor and prospering us, like as in Joseph, with Joseph, the Lord prospered Joseph. Noah found grace, and the Lord gave him a message. So in giving you light, you can know that you have found grace in God's eyes. And we saw that through this, this, this grace, uh, one of the greatest um, illustration of this grace is in Exodus 33 and 34, when Moses was about to go into the mount. And Moses says, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me thy glory. He also said, if I have found grace in your sight, show me thy glory so that I may find grace. So you need grace in order to find grace. And so there is a measure of grace that the Lord gives you, whether you see it or know it or not. And with that grace, the Lord is only seeking to woo you to him in the mount so that you can find even more grace. And in that grace, we saw that Moses received uh, a revelation. And the reason why we need that grace is because men fell from that grace in the beginning. And that grace is what allowed Adam and Eve to come into communication with God face to face. But because of the fall, we have been separated. And so the Lord has given us grace through his son, Jesus Christ, that we may come back into his presence, that we may be able to communicate with him for, I mean, like, like any... Uh, Anything that is made, if the creator's uh, life is not in it, then that thing can function, right? That's how it works. So, so we need to find a way to get back to our creator. And, and now we're kind of on jumper cables, right? The Lord has, has jumped Christ to us to some extent, and we're living through his life because our battery is dead, right? But praise God for that. One day, Christ will remove those jumper cables, and we can have our own life. But you can only have... If your battery is charged, charged with what? Charged with the grace of God. And it is that grace that will keep you running 
forevermore. So as Moses went up in the mount, the Lord says, I, I will stand you upon a rock. Right? And that is key. Moses, when he received what he received, the Lord put him on a rock. And we know that um, through uh, Matthew 16, when you get the revelation, Christ says, on this rock, I'll build my church. So Moses was given something in which Christ was going to build his church on. Right? And um, so going back to Adam, after Adam fell, he needed a way of connection. And, 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 and in, in one of the quotes that we read from last week, I just want to read that. She says, thus were revealed to Adam important events in the history of mankind. So a part of that grace was the list of events from the fall of Adam all the way to the end of the world. In that, you will find the grace of God. By God letting us know what is to come, he's, he's giving us his grace so that we can protect ourselves. And as we continue reading, another nice quote sister, from Review and Herald, November 27. Sister White says, Our people are expect, who are expecting such great and important events soon to transpire should know the reasons for their faith. Then she goes on to say, lower down, as a people, we should be earnest students of prophecy. The grace of Christ, or the, or the knowledge of important events, is found in prophecy. Then she says, we should not rest until we become intelligent in regard to the subject of the sanctuary, which is brought out in the visions of Daniel and John. And it is with this, we, we understand that the, the, they were brought out in her time in the 1843 chart. And then later in the 1850 chart, when the message of the sanctuary was added, added to the first and second angel's message. So she says, this subject, the subject of the sanctuary, which is found in Daniel and John, sheds great light on our present position and work and gives an unmistakable proof that God has led us in our past experience. So a part of the grace of God is knowing that you've been led, right? From the time you've entered into his word, knowing that you've been led is a part of knowing that you have the grace of God. It's important for us to know this. And we saw that Moses went up in the mount and the Lord says, the Lord hid him in the mount, just like in Millerite history, the Lord hid a mistake in some of the figures. And when the Lord's hand was removed, Moses saw the glory of God. Just like when the Lord removed his hand from the figures, they saw October 22nd, 1844, which was the glory of God, which typified the second coming. So Exodus 33, Exodus 34 gives us a great uh, view of Moses in the, uh, um, of, of the Millerite history. And, and James White has a nice um, article called The Parable, where he says that, Indeed, 70 Adventists on October 22, 1844 was in the mount. And in that mount, they received the two tables of stone, just like Moses received the two tables of stone. Now, Romario went over earlier showing that um, just like ancient Israel, uh, at the beginning of their transgression, they pick a king, and at the end of their transgression, they pick the king. Why did they pick a king? Because they rejected the messages that pointed to the Messiah, right? They rejected the 490 years, which were Daniel 9, which pointed to Christ as being the Messiah. So Adventists, who, and, sorry, ancient Israel had the law of God, the two tables. So Adventists who received the two tables will also, as Romario was showing, reject 
the, 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 the one whom these messages are pointing to, which is Christ uh, in us, the hope of glory. So they're going to do the same thing. They, they, they will uh, begin to transgress. They began the transgression in 63, and they're going to end it by joining with the nominal churches in persecuting um, God's people. Now, what does that have to do with um, everything? I, I'll try to bring it uh, together. So on page 10 of the notes, um, the heading... Revelation. And we're picking up from Moses when Moses went up into the mount and the Lord was about to give him this revelation and the Lord hid him there on the mount. So in Exodus 34 verses 5 to 7, the Bible says, and the Lord descended in a cloud. And I like this because I don't, I don't have it in here. But in Daniel 7, Christ also came with the cloud. And that, and that, that was October 22nd, just like the Lord descended with the cloud on Mount Sinai when Moses was given uh, the law. So the Bible says, And the Lord descended in a cloud. I just want to take that. Numbers 11 and verse 17. It says, And I will come down and talk with thee there, and I will take of the Spirit which is upon thee, and will put it upon them. And they, will sh they shall bear the burden of the people with thee, and thou be that thou bear it not thyself alone. Verse 25. And the Lord came down in a cloud and spake unto him and took of the spirit that was upon him and gave it to the 70 elders. And it came to pass that when the spirit rested upon them, that they prophesied and did not cease. So we see the cloud coming down is a representation of the Lord. One of the things is that the Lord is taking the spirit of Christ and is putting it on a people. So on October 22nd, 1844, the Lord, raising, in raising up the Adventist church, he gave them the spirit of Christ. He gave them the spirit of prophecy. Right? And because in this, we saw that when the Lord took the spirit on Moses and gave it to the 70, they prophesied. They received the spirit of prophecy. So let us continue in Numbers 11. It says, But there remained two men, uh, two of the men in the camp, the name of the one was Eldad, and the name of the other Medad, and the Spirit rested upon them. And they were oft, and they were of them that were written. But they went not out to the tabernacle, and they prophesied in the camp. And there ran a young man and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad do prophesy in the camp. And Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of Moses, one of the young men, answered and said, My Lord, Moses forbid, my Lord Moses, forbid them. And Moses said unto him, Envious thou for my sake, would God that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. And at the end of the world, this is what the Lord wants to do for his people. He wants to put his spirit on all his people. Now, at the, at, at, at the, uh, in 31 AD, the Lord put his spirit on all those that were in the upper room. Right? They received the spirit of prophecy because they accepted the truth of the 490. They accepted the truth that came in Daniel 9. And therefore, they were now anointed to take that truth to the world. October 22nd, it's not on the board, but October 22nd, 1844, which lined up also with the cross, there was a people there who, uh, who, 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 who believed the message of the 2300 days, who believed that Christ indeed went from the holy to the most holy. So the Lord took off his spirit and of, of the Spirit of Christ, and gave it to that group to go and preach that very message. All right? And anyone who accepts this message, as illustrated by Numbers 
um, ex Numbers tw 26, two men were in the camp. But because of their acceptance of the message of, of God, they received the Spirit as well. God is no respecter of persons. Anyone who accepts the truth that comes for the time receives of the Spirit of God, receives the grace of God to learn of Him and to walk in His light. Let's continue. It says, now we go back to Exodus 34. It says, And it came to pass, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony in hand, when he had come down from the mount, that Moses wist not that his that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the, face, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh him. And, all, and, and Moses called unto them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him, and Moses talked with them. And afterward all the children of Israel came nigh, and he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him in the mount. Until Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. Now, I didn't highlight this, but a thought just came. On, on October 22, 1844, the Lord called Ellen White into the mount in vision. And she went up there and the Lord revealed to her the shut door, the sanctuary, the mistake, and he revealed to her everything. And her job was to come down and do what to the people? Explain it to the people. But because of the foolish virgins, what couldn't she have done? She couldn't have given it to them. In, that's why her, her writings are veiled. There is a veil on her writings that many are not able to understand. But as you come to accept the 2300 days, when you accept what they accepted, because she says, many embrace the third, but have not an experience in the first and the... This is why much people don't see and understand what she wrote of and how she wrote of it. Because they, they have not an experience in the first and the second. And so what? God had to veil her writings. He had to veil it. And it looks like she, she, she's writing things arbitrarily or, 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 or in, in, in some what's the word? language that is hard to understand. But Exodus teaches us why. Right? The people could not veil their faces because they did not understand uh, God for themselves. Yeah. Right? So... But this is just a little thought that I'm seeing in here. The Bible says, But when Moses went before the Lord to speak with him, he took off the veil. This is what Ellen White says. She says, um, she says, Oh, that I could uh, talk. In no. She says, If I was to show the people what I've seen there, they would what? They would stone me. But when she went to talk to God, did God veil anything from her? No. He showed her everything that she could have um, bear. Right? But when she came now, she says, If I was to tell you, you would stone me. So she had to put that veil on. And the Lord is, uh, um, praise God, this whole thing is really just Miller history. But continuing on, it says, he took, when he went before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. And he came out and spoke unto the children of Israel that which he was commanded. This is the testimonies. This is him going up, receiving the testimonies, coming back down, giving it. This testimony is volume one to volume nine. Right? Go ahead. Is that veil? Because um, in Acts seven, when when um, Stephen yeah spoke, he spoke about all 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 the, the old things, the old things, and it was fine, it was fine. But then, but then when he spoke about their day, yep. what did they do? They stoned they stoned them. them. Yep. So since so it's the same thing, she if if she would have said things as Christ 
seized them and took them, they literally would have stoned her as well. Because Stephen did it. Yeah. And they literally stoned him. Makes sense. Very it would make sense that why just before she died, she said we need to go back to the truths we've been teaching for the last 50 years. Amen. Right? She, because she, she was Stephen. Yep. She was doing the same thing. It's like she told A.T. Jones, what? Go back. Go back and get the, the experience of the pioneers. All right? But they stoned her. How did they stone her? They, they, they fought against, they fought against um, the daily. They, they fought against the truths that, um, what's his name, fought against the health? Kellogg. They, so that's how they stoned her. They fought against her. All right? So the Bible says, And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face Shown. That's a topic that, 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 that I wanted to take up, but in time. What does it mean for the face to shine? Because at the end of the world, 144,000, their face shine uh, at the coming of Christ. When Moses went up to, to the mount, it was the coming of Christ. When on October 22nd, it was what? It was the, also the coming, and their faces shone. Likewise, 144,000, what's going to happen? They're, because they're also in the mount. All right? But by faith. So... Let us read now what she says here in Patriarchs and Prophets regard to that experience. And this experience, every Adventist must have because it is the rock. Right? The Bible, the, the Lord told Moses what? Come and stand upon the rock. Right? These truths are received. <laughs> these truths are given to those who are on the rock, but you can't step off the rock. All right? So Patriarchs and Prophets, it says, by this brightness, God designed to impress upon Israel the sacred, exalted character of his law and glory of the gospel revealed through Christ. And the reason why I like this is because on October 22nd, what did they, re what did they receive? The law, right? The whole point, um, well, not the whole point, but a part of it was the law. The law and the gospel as revealed in the first and the second angel's message. So it continues. While Moses was in the mount, God presented to him not, not only the tables of the law, but also the plan of salvation. We're going to have a pretty good understanding of the plan of salvation at the end of our experience. It says, he saw that the sacrifice of Christ was prefigured by all the types and symbols of the Jewish age. And it was the heavenly light streaming from Calvary, no less than the glory of the law of God that shed such radiance upon the face of Moses. That divine illumination symbolized the glory of the dispensation of which Moses was the visible mediator, a representative of the one true intercessor. And Kunal went over some nice thoughts last night, but Moses was the faith of Israel. Because that was their visible, um, that was their evidence, right? Moses was their evidence. When he came down with his face like, amen, him and the sanctuary, with the plan of salvation, all right? It says, the glory reflected in the countenance of Moses illustrates what? The blessings to be received by God's commandment people through the mediation of Christ. So, um, 30, 31 AD, what did, what did the disciples receive? The blessings of Christ through his mediation. October 22nd, what did, what, did Millerites, um, what did the Adventists receive? The blessing of Christ through his mediation. Every time he switches, there's a blessing that is poured out. And we are to walk in that blessing until he changes dispensation. Pentecost was never supposed to stop. Right? They were supposed to have, um, people were supposed to receive the Spirit all the way up to October 22nd. 
And on October 22nd, since that time, we were supposed to be receiving all the blessings of the disciples and all the blessings of the Millerite Adventists up to this time. Right? We, we're supposed to be standing on a really high platform. She says, I saw the Advent people high above the world. Right? But unfortunately, like Romario said, the church right here, 1863, they, the vision stopped speak. Right? And because of that, God's people have lost their way. They've lost their bearings. Amen. Amen. And so, praise God, he's opening it up to us who desire to find it. All right. It says, it testifies that the closer our communion with God the, the, and the clearer our knowledge of his requirements, the more we shall be conformed to the divine image and the more readily do we become partakers of the divine nature. In other words, the closer we come to the stature of Adam. Right? The, the more we, we, we learn, the, and this is why she could say things like, we have to go back to the diet that Adam wants, because Christ is just taking us back to this point, to that divine image, right? Let us make man in our, our divine image, right? So, continuing on. Moses was a type of Christ. As, as Israel intercessor veiled his countenance because the people could not endure to look upon his glory, so Christ, the divine mediator, veiled his divinity with humanity when he came to earth. All right? So, um, continuing on down to the next, the next quote. GCB, June uh, 5th, 1913, it says, In the scriptures we are exhorted to grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That was the, what was revealed to Moses on the mount was the law and the sanctuary. And those things were the grace of God. Those were the things that he knew if Israel walked in, they were going to receive the Messiah. Right? And if, if the Protestants walked in that truth, they were going to be, see Christ move from the holy to the most holy. And if we walk in that truth, we're going to see Christ move from the judgment of the dead to the judgment of the living. And if we continue, we're going to see him move from earth to heaven. Right? We're going to see all these transitions if we walk in the light. Let us continue. This exhortation is in reality a command. And every command of God is a promise. That which is demanded of God's children, they are enabled to do. Pray, that's the grace of God. This is why our requests are answered. And, when, and so when we are bidden to grow, we may be assured that all the con conditions necessary for our spiritual development have been provided. It's a beautiful promise, right? That's the grace of God. Having all the conditions necessary for your spiritual development, so that you can return into that divine image that man had when he was in the garden in perfection. All right? So when Moses went up to the mount, the Lord gave him everything that man needed, essentially, to return to the stature of Christ. That's the grace of God. That's the true grace of God, which is, um, in Miller history, it's, it's these truths on the chart. She says, Daniel and the Revelation. These truths is what, the Lord has given us in our time that we can return to the stature of what the Adventist church was once was. Right? A people who had strong faith. 50 people, strong in the Lord, ready to do anything that the Lord asked them. Alright? So let's continue. The Rock of Ages. 
The Bible says in Matthew 16, when Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say, I the Son of Man am? And they said, Some say that thou art Jonah, John the Baptist, and some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom do ye say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So Christ wants to build on this rock, this rock that is a revelation of Jesus Christ, right? When Christ is revealed to us and we can say, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, he wants to build upon that rock. The Millerites, they found Christ and they saw him move from the holy to the most holy place. They could safely say, Thou art the Christ. The disciples, they saw, but I mean, you have to see it before that point. Right? I, I want to make that clear. You have to see that he is Christ even before he moves because faith only um, births more faith. Right? The actual movement is when your faith becomes sight. And now you can rejoice and have more faith in the one whom you had faith in in the beginning. So the disciples in Matthew 16, Peter had faith that Christ was the Christ. But what was Christ's work? What did the prophecy say? To anoint the most holy. That was one of his work. So in AD 31, when Christ went in there and he anointed the most holy, and, the, and, and Pentecost, the Spirit of God, came down upon them, their faith was given stronger faith. Amen. They had a real increase of faith because their faith became sight. And the angel said, this same Jesus which you saw go. Right? So all these things they saw. Why? Because Christ says, I tell you, before it come to pass, so that when it come to pass, you might. And from that moment on, they didn't need to see anything. It was just the word of God from that moment on. When, when your faith is established, that's how it is for us. There is no, you don't need to see because you already have the evidence. So now when God say do, what are you going to do? You're just going to do because you have the ability to, to see the unseen through the principles of the things of the past. Right? So I praise God for that. That, that was a nice thought. Not some nice thoughts that the Lord is opening up to us, helping us to understand. But someday our faith will become sight. And by God's grace, um, the word of God will be so near and dear to us that we don't need to see what God says is going to happen for it to happen. That, that, that would be a great time. He'll always be able to see to the end of that which it points to. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So, all right, let's go to GC 319.2. Now, I'm, I'm, this, this paragraph is focusing on Miller's, um, Miller's life, right? She says his mother was a woman of sterling piety. And in childhood, he had been subject to religious impressions. In early manhood, however, he was thrown to the society of deists, whose influence 
was the stronger. So Miller had some grace. Amen? Because his mother taught him. So he had grace. Continuing on, it says, whose influence was the stronger from the fact that they were mostly good citizens and men of humane and benevolent dispositions. Living as they did in the midst of Christian institutions, their character had been to some extent molded by their surroundings. I like this. This is the power of the word of God. Even though these men didn't believe in God, but because of the rise of the Bible after 1798, they were molded by the influences around them. Right? That's the power of the scriptures. They, they had good traits because of the scriptures. Take that back now to the Declaration, not to the Constitution. These men had good traits because of the influence. They were coming out of the Protestant movement. I mean, out of the Dark Ages. And because of the strong influence of the, at that time of the scriptures, though these men were these, some like to say Masons, some like to say, whatever they were, Christianity influenced them. And they wrote the, decla the, 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 the Constitution. I, I really like this line even though it's, it's a little side note. But it says, For the excellencies which won them respect and confidence, they were indebted to the Bible. As, as, as deist as they were, the Bible was responsible for their good character. Amen? And the Lord knew that, which is why he could have awakened Miller. Because the grace of God were already upon them. All right? Let's continue. And yet these good gifts were so perverted as to exert an influence against the word of God. By association with these men, Miller was led to adopt their sentiments. The current interpretation of scripture presented difficulties which seemed to him insurmountable. Yet his belief, while setting aside the Bible, offered nothing better to take its place, and he remained far from satisfied. He continued to hold his views, however, for about 12 years. But at the age of 34, the Holy Spirit impressed his heart with a sense of the condition of his condition as a sinner. He found in his former belief no assurance of happiness beyond the grave. The future was dark and gloomy. Referring afterward to his feelings at this time, he said, Annihilation was a cold and chilling thought, and accountability was sure destruction to all. The heavens were as brass over my head and the earth as iron under my feet. Eternity, what was it? And death, why was it? The more I reasoned, the further I was from demonstration. The more I thought, the more scattered were my conclusions. I tried to stop thinking, but my thoughts would not be controlled. I was truly wretched, but did not understand the cause. I murmured and complained, but knew not of whom. I knew that there was wrong, but knew not where, how or where to find the right. I mourned, but without hope. In this state, he continued for some months. Suddenly, he says, the character of a savior vividly impressed upon my mind. It seemed that there might be a being so good and compassionate as to himself atone for our transgression and thereby save us from suffering the penalty of sin. So as Miller reasoned, the Lord reasoned back with him. Amen. This is what the Bible says, come let us. He was fulfilling the scriptures. Yeah. And the Bible says, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be made as white as... And because Miller reasoned as to the purpose of his life, 
He was reasoning in the right channels, and so the Lord did what? He reasoned back to him, and he flashed upon his heart the vivid picture of a Savior. Amen. Amen. It says, I immediately felt how lovely such a being must be, and imagined that I, I could cast myself into his arms, into the arms of, and trust in the mercy of such a one. But the question arose, how can it be proved that such a being exists? Aside from the Bible, I found that I could get no evidence of the existence of such a Savior or even of a future state. I saw that the Bible did bring to view just such a Savior as I needed. And I was perplexed to find how an uninspired book should develop principles so perfectly adapted to the wants of the fallen world. I was constrained to admit that the scriptures must be a revelation from God. And, and one of the things I really want to take from that is that he was impressed by the Holy Spirit. Right? The Spirit of God moved upon his heart. And the Spirit of God led him into channels of thought. And, 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 and as he was leading him, he was answering it as well. And he found that the Bible was not uninspired as he thought. But in, instead, it was a revelation from God. So the Advent movement started on what? <laughs> on a revelation from God. So how is it going to end? It's going to end in the very same way. Uh, on a revelation from God. So in, in, in getting rid of the charts in 1863, what are, they say, what are they trying to get rid of? The revelation of God. Right? And this is why many Adventists don't know how to interpret the book of Revelation. They've gotten rid of it. Amen. He says, They became my delight, and in Jesus I found a friend. This must be all our testimonies. The Savior became to me the chiefest of 10,000, and the scriptures, which before were dark and contradictory, now became the lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. My mind became settled and satisfied. I found the Lord God to be a rock. Miller found Christ. Because Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And what did Christ say? Upon what? This rock. Upon this rock. So Miller found the rock. So what is Christ going to do? According to Matthew 16. He's going to build his church on that rock. Amen. Right? That's the, Miller found the same thing Peter found. So he says, I found the Lord God to be a rock in the midst of the ocean of life. The Bible now became my chief study. And I can truly say I searched it with great delight. I found that half was never told me. I wondered why I had not seen its beauty and glory before and marveled that I could have ever rejected it. I found everything revealed that my heart could desire and a remedy for every disease of the soul. I lost all taste for other reading and applied my heart to get the wisdom from God. Our church was founded on these thoughts. These are the kind of thoughts that the Adventist church is built on. And we've since gone away from it. We no longer search the scriptures for the cure for every disease of the soul. We, reach, we go to men. We go to the science. We, we go to all these other things. But our church was founded on this rock. And as this, um, this, 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 this is entitled the rejected stone. This is the stone which the builders rejected. They rejected Christ. In the 490, they rejected Christ. They crucified him. All right? So let's continue. We'll see. Continuing on. 320. GC 320, paragraph 2. He says, With intense interest, 
He studied the books of Daniel and Revelation. And she says, the, she says um, that the grace of God, which, which leads us, um, which led Adam through important events, is found in the book of Daniel and Revelation. So when Moses went up to the mount and he received the sanctuary and the law of God, he was essentially receiving Daniel and the Revelation. That's what, when you bring them together. And so, when he came to the Adventist church, the Bible says the principle of God's dealing with men is what? Ever the, Ever the same. So what did he give them on the charts? Daniel and the Revelation. This, this is how God has been working through history. In those two books, all the other books of the Bible meet. Alright? So it says, um, with intense interest, he studied the book of Daniel and Revelation, employing the same principles of interpretation as in other scriptures, and found to his great joy that the prophetic symbols could be understood. He saw that the prophecies, so far as they had been fulfilled, had been, in re, in, had been liter, fulfilled literally, and that all the various figures, metaphors, parables, similitudes were either explained in their immediate connection or the terms in which they were expressed were defined in other scriptures, and when thus explained, were to be literally understood. I was thus satisfied, he says, that the Bible is a system of revealed truths, so clearly and simply given by the wayfaring man, that the wayfaring man, though a fool, need not err therein. Link after link of the chain of truth rewarded his efforts, and step by step he traced down the great lines of prophecy. Angels of heaven were guiding his mind and opening the scriptures to his understanding. Continuing on. The prophecy which seemed most clearly to reveal the time of the second advent was that of Daniel 8, 14. Unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. So the prophecy, as we are told, that Adventist, this rock is built upon, is Daniel 8, 14. Unto 2,300 days, then shall... Um, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. And Miller says, the Bible became his rock. And that rock revealed to him the 2300-day prophecy. So let's continue. It says, following the rule of making scriptures his own interpreter, Miller learned that a day in symbolic prophecy represents a year. He saw that the period of 2300 prophetic days or literal years would extend far beyond the close of the Jewish dispensation. Hence, it could, not lit, it could not refer to the sanctuary of that dispensation. Miller accepted the generally received view that in the Christian age, the earth is the sanctuary. And he therefore understood that the cleansing of the sanctuary foretold in Daniel 8.14 represented the purification of the earth by fire at the second coming of Christ. If, then, the correct starting point could be found for the 2300 days, he concluded that the, second, the time of the second advent could be readily ascertained. Thus would be revealed the time of, the great, of that great consummation, the time when the present state, with all its pride and power, pomp and vanity, wickedness and oppression, would come to an end. When the curse would be removed from the earth, death be destroyed, reward be given to the servants of God, the prophets and saints, and them who fear his name, and those be destroyed that destroy the earth. Now the one thing Miller had in common with the disciples is they both look for the kingdom 
of glory. The one where Christ was going to come to finish the work. That was the mistake of both groups of people. At the end of the world, we cannot make that mistake. The Lord is, 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 is giving us much light on this kingdom that he's currently setting up. Because about in, in early writings 55, he told them, wait here, I'm going to receive the kingdom. And from that moment on, we were to be looking onward to the setting up of this kingdom so that we can enter into it. But without the grace of God, we won't enter into it. Without us finding the Messiah, without us having this experience like Miller, where, where um, the scriptures became his rock. And Peter, when he said, Thou art the Christ, Christ says, Upon that rock. If we don't have that experience, we, would not, we, couldn't, we cannot enter into this kingdom that Christ has gone to set up. Amen. It, it's like Canaan. Yeah. When they were supposed to take it, they didn't take yeah, exactly. it. And when they were told not to take it, they wanted to go up and take it. All right. Next quote. Review and Herald, April 14, 1903, paragraph 35. Sister White says, The warning is come. Of the faith upon which we had been building ever since the message came in 1842, 1843, and 1844. I was in this message, and ever since I have been standing before the world, true to the light that God has given us, we do not propose to take our feet off the platform or off that rock, amen, on which they were placed as day by day we sought the Lord with earnest prayer, seeking for light. Do you think that I could give up the light that God has given me? It is to be as the rock of ages. It has been guiding me ever since it was given. So she says the truths that came in 1842, 1843, and 1844. And she can say that because she was baptized in May of 1842. And the truths that came to her is the truths that are on the 1843 chart and with the addition of the sanctuary. On, well, that was, that was after. But she's talking about the truths. She did say 44, right? Yes. So she's talking about the truths on this chart and the truths on this chart, which is the visions of Daniel and, and John. And she says those truths, those two charts are to be as the what? The rock of ages. When she went up in the mount, she received the rock. The Adventist church received the rock. And, and to demonstrate that, they took the truths from this chart, they put it on this chart, and they added what the Lord gave them in 1844, demonstrating that it was no new light. Amen? But it was an unfolding of the old. And they put it on this chart, showing the people that we accept all the truths from the 43 chart with the additional light that God has given us. Now, we also have to do the same at the end of the world. We have to take the, all the light on the 43 chart, including the sanctuary, and we're going to add to it the light that God will give us on Revelation 18. Amen? So, these truths then also becomes our rock. We're Seventh-day Adventists. Amen? All right. So let us continue. 1842. As early as 1842, the directions given in this prophecy to write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that read it had suggested to Charles Fitch the preparation of a prophetic chart to illustrate the visions of Daniel and Revelation. Right? Those two charts 
is the grace of God. It will be seen who have an understanding of the truths on this chart. This is what the quote is saying. So she says it was suggested to Charles Fitch. Who suggested it? I, I like this because earlier we, we, we saw that Miller was moved by the Holy Spirit. Yes. Amen. And he was given the, the first angel's message, the commencement of the truth. Charles Fitch, um, is he, he, yes, he's the one that also got the second angel's message. Babylon is fallen. is fallen. So who's going to lead him as well? If the spirit led Miller, the spirit must lead yes. Charles Fitch. What you see there with Charles Fitch is that he demonstrated he had faith in the Bible, which was Habakkuk, mm -hmm. and faith in God. Amen. God told him to take what Habakkuk said and do this. And Amen. God told him this is this. Those are the two faiths that we have. One is the Bible and one is God himself saying this is this. Amen. And Miller came preaching the Bible. Amen. Right? But he received this words from God and he went forward. Um, uh, based on what Kennard says, he, he heard that voice and the voice said, make a chart. All right? So she has it plain here in 4SP. In fact, uh, GC, much of GC came from the Spirit of Prophecy books. So she said, before she wrote GC, this is how she wrote it. As early of 1842, the Spirit of God had moved upon Charles Fitch. Right? Amen. To devise a prophetic chart. Right? Amen. So the first angel came by the Spirit. The second angel came by the Spirit. Amen. Which means unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary cleanse came by the Spirit. All right. So next quote. It says, it is not enough to have good intentions. It is not enough to do what a man thinks is right or what a minister tells him is right. His soul's salvation is at stake and he should search the scriptures for himself. However strong may be his convictions, However confident he may be that the minister knows what is true, that is not his foundation. He has a chart. He has a what? He has two charts. Amen? In fact, it's really one chart, right? Because the 43, the 50 is the 43 with the sanctuary on it. So we can see that. He has a chart pointing out what? Isn't that what she said the Lord was going to give to Adam? Every event along the way. That was the grace of God. Right? And so she says, we today at the end of the world have a chart pointing out every event along the way. On the heavenward journey. And he ought not to guess at anything. Amen? This is the rock the Lord has put underneath our feet. These charts. He's given us these charts. The Seventh-day Adventist Church. And sadly, in 1863... The chart stopped speaking, but not to everyone. Amen? Because there, there was a group of people who maintained the faith of the, of the fathers. All right? So let us continue. How much time do I have, Rashad? Oh, man. Okay. That means the Lord is going to take, the Lord is going to give us the power to take their sword and cut off their head with it. That's what he's going to do. He's going to take the 1863 chart, chart and he's going to use it against them. The Lord is going to give us the ability to do that. Amen. So, because that, how we going to make it speak? The rocks will cry out. That's nice. Um, Matthew 16. Let's go back to Matthew 16. Let's take a few points from the The Bible says, when Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippa, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? This question is to investigate 
to see if you're standing on the rock. That's what this question is, right? Because once Peter answered correct, what did he say? Upon this rock, he was already on the rock, right? So it, this question is the investigative judgment. You come up to the investigative judgment and Christ is going to ask you, whom do men say that I am? And you're going to say, some say Ellen White, some say James White, right? But we have to answer, no, thou art the son of the living God. Amen? It says, verse, verse 15, he said unto them, but whom do ye say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And John 1, we find um, a second witness to this. When Simon, uh, the Bible says, he, find his own brother, he first found his own brother Simon and said unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And then when he got to Nathanael in verse 49, I'm just going to go through this briefly. The Bible says, Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. This is the, this is the experience we all must have. We all must be able to, to show indeed that Christ is the Son of God. Verse 50, Jesus answered and saith unto him, Because I said unto thee, I, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. Here and he said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter you shall see what? Heaven's open. This is a really nice topic. When we find the Messiah, heaven opens. Amen? It says, And the angels of God ascended and descended on the Son of Man. Verse 17 of uh, Matthew 16 says, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are thou, Simon Bajona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock will I build my church. So upon the rock of what Miller found, the, the, the Millerite movement was started. And upon the rock that the Lord, at, upon the truths that the Lord added to that rock on October 22nd, 1844, the Adventist church came from that. And that's, that's how you, if you follow the scriptures, you, it's easy to find God's church. Search for the rock, you find God's church. All right? Continuing on. The bold part. Christ founded his church upon the living rock. That rock is himself, his own body for us, broken and bruised, against the church built upon this foundation, the gates of hell cannot, shall not prevail. And Christ demonstrated that in John chapter 2 when he said, destroy this temple and in three days I will, I will raise it up. And in John 14, the Bible says that the prince of the world cometh and hath what? That's what Christ said. The, the gates of hell shall not prevail against that church. Continuing on. How feeble the church appeared when Christ spoke these words. There were only a handful of believers against whom all the powers of demons and evil, would be, evil men would be directed. Yet the followers of Christ were not to fear. Built upon the rock of their strength, they could not be overthrown. Matthew 16 and verse 21, the Bible continues, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the chief elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Now how does that fit, fit in Millerite history? On October 22, 1844, when, 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 when they found Christ, right, the church was feeble. Amen? It was a weak church. But it says, from that time forth, Jesus began to show them what? 
They didn't teach that the United States was a subject on prophecy until after October 22nd. Because the Lord began to show them how that little church was going to feel the wrath of Satan at the Sunday law. Immediately on October 22nd, 1844, he began to explain to them that um, Revelation um, 12, 17, which says, And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. From that moment on, they started to show the United States was going to fall. Right? So, so Christ fulfilled from that time forth, he began to show the Seventh-day Adventist church the persecutions that were going to come upon them for keeping the Sabbath day. Not only that, in Jerusalem. Where, where is Jerusalem? These United States. Amen? So, we'll read this, um, this last quote, and then we'll stop there and we'll come probably... Yes, last quote. It says, before the crucifixion of the Savior, before his crucifixion, the Savior explained to his disciples that he was to be put to death and to be raised again from the tomb, and angels were present to impress his words upon mind, on minds and hearts. And I highlight that because angels were there to impress Miller, angels were there to impress Fitch, and now angels are there at October 22, 1844, to impress the Seventh-day Adventist Church. It's the same thing at the end of the world. Angels impressed Jeff. Angels impressed the truths that we taught in um, 2014. Angels is impressing the truths that we are teaching now. And angels will be there, especially the angel of Revelation 18, to impress the truth of the third angel home to a dying world. We must believe that angels are always there. Amen. It says, but the disciples were looking for a temporal deliverance from the Roman yoke. And they could not tolerate the thought that he in whom their hopes centered should suffer an ignominious death. The words which they needed to remember were banished from their minds. And when the time of trial came, it found them unprepared. All these things were written for our ensamples and our admonition so that we don't repeat these mistakes. Right? They were so concerned with earthly things that they were disappointed. Millerite history, they were also concerned with the earth being cleansed. Even though they had a, 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 a heavenly mindset in the sense that they, they understood that Christ was coming, right? So they were looking for things spiritual, so, so to speak. But because they had one part wrong, they, had one, they, they thought the earth was the sanctuary. At the end of the world, we have to have everything in the heavenly, right? We can't have nothing in the... In not, our understanding cannot be of an earthly nature or else we'll miss everything Christ is doing. It says, The words which they needed to remember were banished from their minds when the time of trial came and it found them unprepared. The death of Jesus has fully destroyed their hopes as if he had not forewarned them. So in the what? In the prophecies, the future is open before us as plainly as it was open to the disciples by the words of Christ. The what? The events connected. Amen. That's the grace of God right there. It's the events. The events connected with the close of probation and the work of preparation for the time of trouble are clearly presented. But multitudes have no more understanding of these important truths than if they had never been revealed. Satan watches to catch away every impression that will make them 
wise unto salvation and the time of trouble will find them. They will come up to the, build, to the time of the fall of the plagues and realize they needed to be hewed and squared for the building. They come there destitute of the grace of God, destitute of an understanding of the events that led up to that point and therefore have no understanding of the events that's coming after that point. And so we need the, 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 the grace of God. And, and because of the grace of God, he gave us a rock. And this rock has been rejected by many in, 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 in our church, by Protestants in the Millerite time and now by Adventists, many Adventists uh, at the end of the world. And it is, it is our, our, um, our mandate at the end of the world to keep these truths ever before the mind of the people that they may not forget the past. Because um, we are told that the only reason or the main reason why um, we repeat the mistakes of the past is because we don't understand the past. So it is my prayer, it is our prayer, that as you uh, hear these truths, as you hear the words of God, that you, you will uh, plant yourself on the rock. And if you're on the rock, you will do more to strengthen the things that God has given us, to strengthen uh, our position in all the saints of God, so that when the winds come and the floods come and the, and, and the rainfall, we would not be moved. We would be found wise unto salvation. Shall we close with a word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to thank you uh, for this time that you give us, Lord, in, in peaceful times to share the truth, Lord, and, and to, to make these, um, to, to, to do these presentations that others may learn of you, that others uh, may come to a knowledge uh, of the truth and that we who have that knowledge, Lord, may be strengthened by it, may be fortified, Lord, by, by an ever-increasing knowledge uh, of these truths. Please bless our efforts. Please, Lord, continue to give us your Holy Spirit and give us um, clear thoughts that we may be able to, to do your work here at the end of the world. Be with us and even those who will watch this video. Lord, we pray and ask that you will please bless them immensely. May the Holy Spirit go with these things that their understanding will be open and many will come uh, to, to, to make a decision for the truth and stand firm under the bloodstained banner of Christ. And we ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.